There was a drive from the Depression here to try and get rid of the slums of inner Melbourne, but there was the added pressure of uh, the influx of, of post-war immigration. People needed housing and needed housing fast. But you know, as recently as the, as the 1950s or 60s, these were some pretty dire places to live. It's very easy to forget that the fancy inner suburban housing that we have today, multi-million dollar properties, were once often places of poverty and, uh, and, and squalor. I'm Jen Kelly and this is In Black and White, a podcast about some of Victoria's forgotten characters. In this episode, we tell the story of 1930s slum fighter Frederick Oswald Barnett, who documented the lives of families living in poverty in inner Melbourne in an extraordinary collection of photos. Today, the trendy inner suburbs of Richmond, Carlton, Collingwood and Fitzroy are known for their cafe culture and sky-high house prices. But during the Great Depression, when Melbourne's unemployment rate peaked at an astonishing 30%, this ring of inner suburbs was home to filthy slums where crime and disease were rife. As a crusader for housing reform, Barnett and a team of supporters photographed families living in filth in overcrowded, vermin-infested shacks, often without basic plumbing and sewerage. Melbourne journalist and history buff Jamie Duncan joins us today to tell us more. And to see Barnett's photographs, click on the link in the show notes to this podcast to become a subscriber and see the companion article and pictures. Jamie, thanks a lot for coming back into the podcast. No problem. So when did slums first develop in Melbourne? There's always been pockets of poverty in parts of Melbourne. Little Lonsdale Street was probably the first one. That became quite a hotbed of crime and poverty in, in early Melbourne. And as Melbourne grew with the gold rush and industry developed, a lot of low-paid workers grabbed housing anywhere they could. The uh, depression of the 1890s hit, hit Melbourne very hard. There were a lot of people out of work. A lot of people were, were, were struggling. And poverty in some areas became endemic. And it wasn't even whole suburbs. It was, uh, in some cases, only parts of suburbs. So there were only certain sections of Carlton, for example, that were really, really badly afflicted. So tell us about Frederick Oswald Barnett. Who was he and how did it come about that he began photographing slums around Melbourne? I'll set the scene first of all. In modern Melbourne, you, you think about all of these uh, inner city locations, North Melbourne, Carlton, Richmond, Fitzroy, Collingwood. Uh, these these places have got uh, you know, multi-million dollar properties. Everybody wants to be there. Hipsters love it. It's a you know, wonderful cafe society. There's restaurants. There's all these sorts of things. But you know, as recently as the as the 1950s or 60s, these were some pretty dire places to live. Now, Barnett was a committed Methodist, and uh, through some church work that he did, he visited a slum in the uh, in the 1920s and was horrified by what he saw, and that kind of burned him. He became a bit of a a bit of a crusader against slums, and uh, some of the work that he and a, and a posse of Methodists did by going around and visiting the slums of Melbourne in the, ni- in the 1930s led to the creation of the Housing Commission and the first proper social housing that Victoria had. So how did he go about it? So was he just going around taking photographs and then what, sending them into government agencies, for example, to try to seek action? Yeah, he um, prepared a report for the government. He started work around 1935 with a group of fellow Methodists. They went around speaking to the locals in suburbs like North Melbourne and Carlton and those, those inner suburban areas um, and photographing um, the circumstances in which they lived. He submitted uh, this report to the to, to the government of the day, calling for a better deal on social housing because people were living in such 
poor conditions. So what did he find and what was he able to photograph? Uh, he found people were living in, in streets with open drains. He found people who were living in houses that were full of um, full of rising damp, that weren't properly roofed, that didn't have internal running water, let alone internal plumbing, and people living in, in really, really grim circumstances, sick children and a level of poverty and crime that uh, perhaps wider Melbourne didn't really know or understand. Now, we've got some of these photographs here from the State Library of Victoria collection. Perhaps you could take us through them and try to describe some of them. Our listeners will be able to access all these photos by clicking on the link in the show notes. There's a photograph I'm looking at right now. It's of three little girls. They're in a room with walls that are are really grimy and, uh, and squalid looking. They're in the same bed under absolutely filthy bedclothes. Their, their faces are dirty. Their hair's a bit matted. One, if I had to guess, was around two years old. The, uh, the, the, there's one of around four and another little girl of maybe seven or eight. Um, they're both clutching rag do- They're all clutching rag dolls. It's, it's a very, very grim and sad-looking circumstance. There's one photograph of, a, uh, of two women standing in a doorway in a house in Carlton, very, very poorly dressed. So they're both holding babies. He reported that both of the women were under the influence of liquor and... Oswald and his crew went out with a uh, with a doctor. The doctor examined the uh, the two babies. He said uh, one baby had been very ill and had recovered, but the other one was likely to die from neglect because of the uh, because of the conditions that they were living in. This is very very sad. Uh, there's another image of a uh, tenement in Carlton. It's a picture of the roof. Now the the roof is a patchwork of what appears to be timber sheets. They don't appear to be nailed down in any way. They're just sitting on the roof. And there's rather a large gap along one edge, which has been stuffed full of old clothing in an effort to uh, keep the um, keep the weather out of the house. There's uh, another photograph of a, of a man in a in a house in North Melbourne, standing beside a, a large sheet of uh, of wallpaper that's uh, that's peeling off the uh, off the wall because of uh, because of extensive rising damp in the house, which has obviously obviously got all sorts of deleterious health effects. And there's, there's one rather touching photograph of a family crowded into a tiny kitchen. The mother um, is serving food to children. There's one, two, three, six children standing around the table. There's an old lady with, the, with her back to the camera as well. It's very dark. It appears very grimy. And I'm sure it would have shocked uh, Melburnians of the day. Oh, certainly desperate times. And there's an interesting one of a Dudley mansion down at Dudley Flats where the Docklands are now. Can you, you describe that one for us? Yeah, well, there were apparently hundreds of people living in structures built of whatever they could find down at the Dudley Mansions. You think about what's down there now, you know, glamorous, fashionable apartment blocks and restaurants and uh, you know waterfront living. Back in the day, it was very, very grim. This house is described as having a kitchen in the front room. Behind that is the bedroom, which is papered with paper that was uh, salvaged from the tip. So that's obviously formed the walls of this uh, of this tenement. There are no blankets. There were cleanly washed bags for um, for the inhabitants to sleep on. The room on the left was built for a young man fallen on hard times. Um, so he's lodged free, and meals are also given to him by the owner. Until recently, a sustenance man himself, sustenance being a form of um, work for the dole that, that, that existed following the, uh, the First World War. And to look at this thing, you can see uh, from the photograph that there's an attempt to build a, um, a little picket fence out of the front with waste timber. There's brush on either side of the tiny front yard that's been put there to give a, an element of privacy. There's a chimney that springs from the half of the fireplace, which appears to be an old tin water tank. Uh, the, the structure is maybe 
half covered with a roof. It's um, surrounded by dirt and you can see some waste from the tip on the left-hand side of the image. Jamie, tell us about, there's another photo of a man washing up in his North Melbourne backyard. Can you describe that one for us? This was one of the tenements that Barnett described as having no internal running water. It's an image of a man who's uh, who's washing at a tap in a backyard. You can see he's um, standing against an iron fence. I can't tell what what he's standing on, but it's likely to be cobblestones or some sort of concrete. And he's there in the open, in the sunshine, washing his face at the backyard tap. Now, I know most of these images are desperately sad, but I must admit I'm quite taken by the picture of the children who are playing in a street in Richmond. Can you describe that one for us? Yeah, this one's kind of a kind of a charming image in its own way. You can see the houses lining the street are of very, very poor quality and built sometime in the 19th century. But the kids are there making their own fun. They're all in uh, they're all in short pants, as was the style at the time. And they're playing a game of cricket. The boy who's batting has a um, has a piece of timber. It's nothing as fancy as an actual cricket bat. And there seems to be a um, a large tin about knee high on the boy, which uh, the kids are using for stumps. They seem to be having a good time of it. So what did Barnett do with this report that he's compiled with all these photos and captions? Well, Barnett compiled the report with the photographs and with a, with a great deal of information. Some historians have dismissed uh, the images and descriptions as a bit lurid, a bit, uh, a bit stereotypical, but um, you know, there's a grain of truth in every stereotype. He compiled the information that he and his, uh, his followers gathered into a report about the slums of Melbourne in order to put a bit of a fire under the state government. And that's, that's exactly what happened. Through the, uh, the report, he was able to arrange a tour that involved the Premier of the day and ministers who trooped through some of the tenements that were discussed in the, uh, in the report. And that led to the creation of the Housing Investigation and Slum Abolition Board. And that was a, that was a forerunner to the Housing Commission, which followed in the, uh, in the 1940s, which was necessary because there was a drive from the Depression here to try and get rid of the slums of inner Melbourne. But there was the added pressure of uh, the influx of post-war immigration. People needed housing and needed housing fast. And this led directly to the creation of the inner city Housing Commission towers that we, we know today. What happened there? There was a there was a program that ran from the post war era right through to the uh, the early seventies to flatten the slums. It was a bit controversial at the time because people were just uh, were taken, moved to a new house, and it broke up communities. And there was some resistance to that. But once the uh, once the tenements were knocked down, the housing commission towers were built in their place, and wherever possible, people were moved back into the community in which they uh, in which they used to live. So a lot of these families would have ended up in these high-rises, but I, I, um, I understand that also many of them went to new estates out in the outer suburbs. Yeah, well, and, and there were a lot of those created in the post-war era. There's a large, there was a large housing commission area out at Ashburton. You might remember that the Olympic Village out in Heidelberg West was, um, was created for the Olympic Games, but it was always the intention to house families out there, to move people out of some of those awful tenements in the inner suburbs and give them a a modern home with a yard and a a new community. What did Barnett think of knocking down these slums and replacing them with high-rises? As I mentioned, there was a lot of uh, resistance from the uh, the people who were living in the slums who didn't want their communities broken up as poor as the living conditions were. And there were a series of protests, especially in the 50s and 60s, as government workers came in and levelled some of those blocks of, uh, of tenements. Barnett was also opposed to the, uh, to the high-rise solution, but their slum clearance continued until the Victorian government finally yielded to public pressure and abandoned the policy in 1973. But by then, most of the slum communities were gone anyway. And most of these Housing Commission high-rises are still here today? 
Yeah, yeah. A lot of the 60s vintage towers that you see dotted around the inner suburbs today were a direct creation of the work that Barnett did in order to highlight the problem of living in the in the slums of um, inner Melbourne. So how significant is this collection of photographs in terms of documenting Victoria's history in that period? Well, it's really significant because from a modern perspective, it's very easy to forget that the, the fancy inner suburban housing that we have today, uh, you know, multi-million dollar properties, were once often places of poverty and, uh, and squalor. There are a lot of people, and I must say, I, I came into contact with a couple of them following the publication of the story, that were quite incensed that places where they grew up had, had been described in those terms. They weren't really my words. They were the words of Barnett and his team. But yeah, the fact remains that um, some of these areas that are treasured and held in high regard today weren't very nice places to live once upon a time. And it's, it's amazing how gentrification and money has, uh, has changed those suburbs. Well, thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast, Jamie. Thank you. And remember, to read more about Barnett, you'll find a link to a story and his amazing photos in the show notes to this podcast. Thanks for listening. This has been In Black and White, a podcast about some of Victoria's forgotten characters, Written and hosted by me, Jen Kelly, and produced by Peter Fuller. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it on whatever platform you're listening on. And if you want to support this podcast and be notified when each episode comes out, make sure you hit the subscribe button. I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component of that. I I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.